After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everyone, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer joining you at a Baseball America Winter Meetings Prospect Podcast edition. There's enough words at the start of that to throw in a three podcast, but we're here because we are in between our trips to the lobby, getting the rumors, rule five rumors for me, you know, that special uh, sort of uh, thing there, but uh, but we're talking, we wanted to talk prospects, we want to talk Cardinals prospects. Continue our we're, prospects uh, podcast series. But we're moving into the NL Central, and yes, we're not going in alphabetical order. Our apologies on that, but this is the one we wanted to jump to first in the NL Central because this is the team that made news today. We're recording this on Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday. By the time we're done, it may be Thursday, but we'll call it Wednesday. I'm going to put a Wednesday date on this. And the thing about it is, is that obviously the Cardinals went out today, and... They added to their out. They 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 went one for one. So they they still have the same number of outfield glut, you know, right now. But they also definitely upgraded in the outfield because Marcelo Zuna fixes a problem that they had, which is is it's one thing to have nine outfielders in the upper levels, but they didn't have anyone that you say that's the dude. That's what right. they have now. Kyle. The Cardinals didn't have anyone hit more than twenty five home runs last year, and that was Paul DeYoung who came up uh, midway through the season. Marcelo Zuna hit 37 last year. This is a guy, 60 home runs now his last two years. You know, Marcelo Zuna is a guy that's been a good player for a long time, but he was kind of almost overshadowed by Giancarlo Stanton. I don't know how many people realize this is a guy, 312, 37 homers, 124 ribs, 952 OPS. Oh, by the way, I won a gold glove and left too. I mean, the season this guy put together, one of the top 20 in baseball, top 25 in baseball, He's 27. He's going to be 27 all next year. He's got two more years before he hits free agency. This isn't a complimentary and piece the Cardinals added. This is the guy that they can stick in the middle of their order and be their star. And something that the Cardinals like, this is also a guy who has some defensive versatility as well. Played left field pretty much all last year, but there were times he could shift. He's played some center. He's played some right. You right. can do a lot of things with Marcelo Zuna, all of them good. I mean, you know, we've talked about the Cardinals back-to-back years missing the playoffs. That hasn't happened since uh, 07, 08. The, the Cardinals are not a team, or 08, 09, I'm sorry. The Cardinals mm-hmm. are not a team accustomed to, missing the pl- accustomed to missing the playoffs two years in a row. It's happened. They said, as much as they have, you mentioned, an outfield glut in the minors. As much as you might like Randy or Rosarena or Oscar Mercado or Jose Adeliz Garcia, none of them can do for you what Marcelo Zuna can and do. And none of them are really guys who you are... Where they are in where they, you know, as far as at the big league level, none of those are guys where you say, we are very confident to plug this guy in and give this guy 500 at-bats right now. They, same thing that, to be honest, happened because what is what is still a tragedy 
you know, overall, because the passing of someone is a tragedy. But they had that guy in Oscar Tavares. He passed, he died, and then instead, Randall Gritchick, you know, and Stephen Piscotty never never reached that. And right. so that's really the problem they've had. Yeah, I want to go back real quick. I was mm-hmm. my initial statement was correct. It was oh seven oh eight. The Cardinals missed back to the back years of the playoffs. But yes, uh, going back to the outfield, uh, you mentioned the death of Oscar Tavares affected uh, obviously the the, the, franchise. the franchise for years. So I think moving forward now, the Cardinals can say, "Hey, we got this bona fide bat." They had a deal with the Cardinals or with the Marlins, excuse me, for Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton exercises no trade clause. They are able to come back and say, "All right, we'll get the other guy." Who? Oh, by the way is a star in his own right. For me, what's probably most encouraging, if you're a Cardinals fan about this deal, more than just, hey, we got ourselves a bona fide superstar, yes, Sandy Alcantara, the guys they traded, it, the prospects trade is a very talented package. Sandy Alcantara, Magnus Sierra, Zach Gallen, uh, Danny right. Castano, but, but none, none of... There, there is one... And I mean one potential top hundred guy there. And and That's even it. in the context of their own system, Sandy Alcon- they kept they still have their top two right-handed pitching prospects in Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty. They still have their top outfield prospects. You know Tyler O'Neill was ranked ahead of Magnus Sierra mm-hmm. for good reason, and Harrison Bader. Very a lot of people like him more than Magnus Sierra. So not only did the Cardinals acquire a stud. It's not even that they emptied out the farm system to do it. They rolled a deal from their positions of strength. And even though look, Zach Gallon's a very good player, a lot of scouts like him as a fourth or fifth starter, he might pitch in, in the Marlins rotation next year because they need the bodies. He's a perfectly good major right, league caliber pitcher, but the Cardinals have so many guys better that they were able I, to keep their top guys while acquiring a superstar. It's a win-win all around. And I know this is a Cardinals podcast, but it is worth mentioning. The reality of it is, is that because of the way that the Marlins have done this, because of the fact that basically Giancarlo Stanton was a salary dump, not a guy, not a situation where you say, we'll pay, we'll pay some of the salary and in return we'll really get good prospects in return. You look at this right now, and they had four key pieces to trade away. They've traded away three of them now. I'm not saying they don't have some other pieces, but the four biggies that they're probably potentially going to trade away, D. Gordon, Giancarlo Stanton, Marcelo Zuna, and Christian Yelich, uh, you know, I don't think Christian Yelich really is thrilled about his, you know, four years left right now with uh, basically playing for a rebuilding team, and it wouldn't shock me to see him traded. And the thing about it is is that there's talk about either comparing to the White Sox system, you know, them trading last year and all. The White Sox got multiple top 100 prospects, and we are not sure right now. You could, that it's possible that they have required two. And when we say two... They would be back of the top hundred type guys. This is nothing like last year when the White Sox acquired the number one prospect in baseball. Very much so. I, pivoting back to yeah. the Cardinals, you look at you know they made a significant trade, trading some significant prospects, and you look at their top ten, the reconstructed top ten. This is still a, a top ten that I would say is probably one right. of the top ten top tens in so the game. Roll it out. So what? Who who replaces? Because obviously, if you go to baseballamerica.com, you can read the pre-trade. Right. Alcantara was number four. Sierra was number seven. So the guys around them all move up mm-hmm. a spot, and the guys who move in, Jose Adelis Garcia at number nine. And it's interesting, you know, Randy Rosarena was a big Cuban signing, uh, but Jose Adelis Garcia, who signed later. Uh, was a guy that really just really opened a lot of evaluators' eyes. And when you ask people who was better, Garcia came up pretty consistently. He played at higher, no, he's a little older, played at higher levels, 
really mashed, showed, you know, he's a free swinger, but showed some pitch recognition with his free swinging, was able to, you know, show big doubles power, some home run power that people think is going to get even more so as he just, you know, makes some adjustments, part of being stateside. He was 24, it's not like he's a 28, 29-year-old Cuban, he's still got some youth on his side. Of all the Cardinals outfield prospects we talked about, you know, Bader obviously made his major league debut last year, Sierra was in there for a tick. Um, but when Sierra look at, got there partly because they ran out of guys on the 40-man who were healthy. Right, but you look at that next year, you know, a Rosarena or Mercado or Tyler O'Neill, and you ask people which one of these guys, even though O'Neill's still ranked as the better prospect, mm-hmm. which one of these guys might be most major league ready, Jose Adelis Garcia was the one who got a lot of votes. Mm-hmm. I think this is a guy who's, who's a very, very legitimate prospect. He moves into number nine. And number 10 is Andrew Knizner. I mean, this is a guy that when I started... Talk about, talk about a guy who has flown... Flown up the list because when the list started two years ago, he wasn't on the list. He wasn't on the list. And even when this process began, um, you know, this year and seeing the good you had in double A and talking to, you know, getting up to double A, I should say, and talking to a couple of evaluators who saw him, they said that we believe in the bat. We're not sure about the defense. So, you know, you kept him in the, in the late teens-ish of, you know, a pretty good system. You know, hey, he's a catcher who can hit. Defense has a ways to go. Well, you know, if he doesn't develop is the bad enough we'll see first year pro you know there's a lot of things that can happen and then he showed up in the arizona fall league and the reports on what his catching was like in june july mm-hmm. versus what his catching was like in october now given he didn't catch every day in the fall league uh, he was on a surprise team had a couple different catching options so no one gets to catch every day he in the played fall a couple league. of days at first he played a couple days behind the plate it wasn't like he was you know Sean Murphy caught a lot of the games for right. you know, but, he, but even him, he didn't get to catch because right. But but Andrew, no no one gets up, everyone gets upset at their backup catcher that they, the catcher they send never gets to right. Play. So Knizner, but the scouts who saw him was like, yeah, no, it it was a good receive. You know, the arm the arm is not crazy. It's not a cannon arm, but consistently in a in a reasonable range. You know, one nine fives mm-hmm. to to low two O's. Um, you see that progress, and after his turn in the fall league and seeing that catcher development defensively, there was a sense from a lot of individuals that, hey, all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who's perfectly solid average receiver, solid average arm, with his natural hitting ability, pound balls up the middle, off the wall against top prospects like he did all fall league. He kept hitting there. Uh, you know, was really good. You know, stays back on breaking balls, able to get to any and all fastballs. Not really a guy where you say, oh, he pulls too much, hits the ball over the field. I mean, we've talked about catchers and the offensive bar they have to clear is not very significant. There's no question Andrew Knizner can clear that bar and clear it, you know, with some room to spare. And now you add in the fact how rapidly he's developing as a catcher. There was not a lot of fight from anyone, you know, putting him above a Delvin Perez or, you know, who's a top first round pick or a Randy Rosarena who's a very talented, touted mm-hmm. Cuban, but you talk to some people around, it's like, I'll, t- I'll take the catcher who can rake. And again, if he can continue developing that, as a catcher at the rate he has. That, that's the thing that stands out to me about this is, is that I don't feel like this is the end for the Cardinals in this offseason. And I say that because I don't think we wrote, you wrote about this uh, with the, you know, how they were going to dominate the market with their outfielders. I don't think that the outfield situation they have right now is a tenable outfield situation. What I mean by that is is that you can't basically put everyone and freeze them in a cryogenic chamber and say, everyone go back to the level that you were at the year right. before. And right now, if they don't make any further moves, 
They have more outfielders than they have at-bats at, well, really, the majors, AAA, yeah, and AA to an extent. And so that's the rumors today that the A's are getting closer to a deal for Steven Piscotty. We'll see how that you know shakes out, what pieces are But it are makes there. sense. It makes sense. I mean, you, you can say, okay, reasonably you can expect, you know, if Piscotty goes, obviously Randall Grichuk's a guy that a lot of people would like to clear given he's about to get more expensive mm-hmm. in arbitration and his production is not getting any better. You still have Tyler O'Neill. You have Jose Adelis Garcia. And even as we move beyond, you know, the top 10, I mean, Randy Rosarena, Oscar Mercado, these are these are good outfield prospects. I think the Cardinals entered the day with an embarrassment of riches of outfielders and right-handed pitchers. They still have that, and it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it really is. And the thing about it is, is that now, okay, but looking at that, outfield is clearly the strength of the Cardinals system. Okay. What is the what is the weakness? What is the, the entire the... infield? I mean, you look right now. First, there's you know Luke Voigt's a very good player, great feel good story came up. He's the best you know first base prospect in the Cardinals system. Third baseman, there's not a whole lot there. You have you know Elihiris Montero who's down in rookie ball. While we're recording this podcast, I just wrote up Cardinals third baseman Patrick Wisdom, who is Rule Five eligible, but is not exactly a premium prospect at this point. You know, I like Patrick Wisdom. Power, big arm. He's also 26 and was left unprotected on the, the rule five man yeah. roster. Listen, that, that's, so I, and that's I, still that, one of the better options they have in the minors. Right. So I, I think you look at the infield situation, and especially with the steps back Delvin Perez took as a shortstop uh, this year. Well, I shouldn't say as a shortstop, it's where he took the steps back. It was offensively. Um, you know, second base, you look at a guy like a Bravik Valera who got his first taste in the majors, but he's a longtime minor leaguer. I mean, these are the best infield options so the Cardinals and some of it's okay because look Colton Wong is still young second baseman you're good for a while Paul DeYoung obviously came up whether he's your shortstop or your third baseman you agree he's 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 an everyday guy I think you agree with me you kind of expect that he's going to not end up at shortstop long term you know I I think so here's my thing you can say yes but that's been the expectation pretty much the entire time, and he keeps doing it. And he actually when you say he keep, when we well, say he keeps well, doing it, he's done it for essentially a, a three quarters of the season. But he, there was a sense there, oh, there's no way he can do it. When he did it, and the defensive the defensive metrics liked him, the scouts liked him, and I'm, I'm a big guy on look. Oh, I'm not saying gotta, gotta, I'm not saying so there's no I, chance. I, I, but I would also can, can you do better? Yes. Are there guys if you can absolutely say hey, long term, if we move him to third base and we acquire. Someone who's super rangy up the middle, I, no doubt. That's definitely something that will improve your team. But I do think um, you, you can you can survive with him there. It's not a situation that's just bad. But but as I look through the Cardinals system, you know it's right-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher, couple catchers, Carson Kelly, Andrew Knizner, right-handed pitcher, outfielder. It's all right-handed pitchers, outfielders, the two catchers, and even which again is not bad because the other thing you is you never is that, have too much pitching and and the other thing about it is, great is to have. that. It's not like you can't turn around. Okay, now let's go really like, okay, you know, because there is the big rumor out there. And we're not saying that there's any credence to this, but we are saying let's look, let's examine, because we're talking about the prospects, let's examine the possibility. The thing that also stands out about this, as you said, they made this Ozuna trade. They held on to their best. If you're going to trade for Manny Machado, which, by the way, would move, would Manny Machado moves Paul DeYoung back to third base. But if you no traded for Manny Machado, they still have the horses to do that. No question. Now, 
the interesting dynamic there, obviously, is Machado has one year left on his deal, mm-hmm. and how much. You know, it's it's an interesting kind How of. How much do you have to trade to get a guy with one year left on his deal? And it's but it, you still are gonna have to beat all these other teams. And so, how much of it is? Oh, there's only one year left on his deal, so I don't know how who we're gonna get. But well, if you have half of the major league baseball on him, twenty teams on him, twenty five teams on him, you're gonna have to come up with something good to outbid the other guys. So, you know, when the offseason began, I, I said on our in our. Uh, in the article I wrote, I said it on St. Louis Radio, the Cardinals have the pieces to make almost any move they want. That's still true today, even after they made this move mm-hmm. for Marcelo Zuna. It'll be interesting to see, I, again, they, whether it's Machado, whether they decide that's you know not something they want to empty out. Because look, Machado, depending on the bids you're getting... The level of talent is a hey, we got to move Alex Reyes and Jordan Hicks and maybe Carson Kelly and throwing in Austin Gomber there too because Lord knows the Orioles need pitching and the Cardinals can match it. But you know, if if they don't want to make that move and it'd be understandable if they don't want to empty it out to that degree, Josh Donaldson's in Toronto. There, there's pieces, there's moves they can make even beyond just Machado, and they have the pieces to do them. And not only do they have the pieces to do them. But they have pieces who, quite simply, are not going to fit into the Cardinals' plans unless they move some other guys. Right. And and you look at the Cardinals' rotation right now, even losing Lance Lynn, you know, Luke Weaver's set himself up for a spot there. Reyes is probably going to take a spot. Flair is going to take a spot. Oh, by the way, Michael Walker had a really nice bounce back here. You know, we'll see how much Adam Wainwright has left. Carlos Martinez is still at the front of that rotation. They have more pitchers than they have spots. They have more outfielders than they have spots. And, uh, you know, look, the Cardinals, we know John Moselak knows what he's doing. We know, you know, all these, all the front office guys there have a long success, track record of making smart moves, being successful. I do think we probably, in all likelihood, will see some of this depth continue to be moved, especially if they can supplement their infield depth in some way, whether that's at the major league level or if they feel like they want to. I mean, if they wanted to, they could say, hey, we've got you know, Oscar Mercado, who we like, he's he's got a big league, you know, potential as, as a fourth outfielder, but we don't have room for him. Is there a, a decent, you know, middle infield piece out there that even if it's a utility middle infielder that we can use this year or next year, that fits their team better. So they can make a number of moves here. Uh, I do think shoring up that infield depth will be key for them, especially Matt Carpenter's getting older. You know, we'll see what, what Jed Jerko's ultimate role is. Um, you know, they ship, they shipped a lead Miss DS out to Toronto for another outfielder, J.B. Woodman. Mm-hmm. Um, I need more. Right. Oh, he's a little further away, so it does help that way. Right. So so there's there's a lot of options. And even, you know, today when, okay, you know, three guys move out. Who are the three guys we move into the back? Guess what? It was a catcher. It was an outfielder. And I did move one third baseman at the lower levels. But, you know, again, you look through this list and... You see one third baseman, a couple of shortstop at shortstops at the back, Luke Voigt and Delvin Perez. There's five infielders on their top 30 as currently constructed. That is something they are uh, – well, I separate out infielders from catchers. Right. Oh, yeah. Not including That's, the catchers. Yeah, five, there's five infielders. That is something they're probably going to have to address. But, again, they, they can make almost any move they want. Alex Reyes, number one on this list again. And really, when we talk about Alex Reyes, we cannot give much update of 2017 well, Alex Reyes because the update is, is Kyle? 
Tommy John surgery, but talking, just kind of keeping an open dialogue with a couple of individuals. One of the most interesting things that came up, one of the questions about Alex Reyes was twofold. The first was he was a, he was a bigger guy, and not everyone loved his general fitness level. He had never pitched uh, over 110 innings. I think he did it once in you know his first four seasons or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Uh, you know there was a suspension in there. There was uh, just a whole bunch of other things that would come up. And one of the things that came up was through this rehab process. He did it in St. Louis, so he got to stare on the big league club, and everyone talked about being around Adam Wainwright. They said he's eating better, which I thought was interesting. They talked about his eating habits were not great before. It was something that they felt affected him and his general fitness, being around the big leaguers, seeing how they take care of their bodies, seeing what they go through. And on top of that, just being, you know, rehabbing in the weight room, you know, rehabbing his whole body, not just his elbow. Everyone says he's gotten stronger. He's gotten sturdier. He's gotten just a better shape all to all around. I mean, Tommy John surgery is never a good thing, but just in terms of some of the things that it's allowed him to focus on, Cardinals are, are not that, you know, I, I have yet to find the team that says, oh yeah, he's had Tommy John surgery, he's done. They're always going to be optimistic about their own guy. Um, but there's really a, a sense, and I, I found it to be rather genuine, not people trying to, you know, mm-hmm. twist some things. He might be back better just because he's gotten in better shape. You talk to some guys who, you know, are more you know in and out of of uh, the St. Louis offices. They say, when I saw him, you know, in February as we entered spring training, to the guy I saw in September, looked like a different guy physically. I mean, it really was not much of a question that this guy's still the Cardinals' number one prospect. That he still has, you know, front of the rotation potential. That he still has. A very bright future ahead of him. Look, he could come back. He's on target to be ready when spring training opens. And look, he wouldn't be the first guy if he comes back and something doesn't feel right and something goes sideways. We right, don't, we don't know. We, we don't know. But I mean, but, it's about an eighty-five percent success rate. So he's and, got a good. He's got good odds. And, and all and all the things you kind of you know, one of the things you you reach out and just listen for. Oh, you know, we had to shut him down. Just you know, we we, we we're slowing him down a little bit. All the all the euphemisms for. His elbow hurts. Like, and there are guys, you know, in other systems that I've talked about. Oh, you know, we, we shut him down in structs or had a little setback. All the all the you know the things that they're trying mm-hmm. to play down, but actually are red flags. Um, you haven't heard any of those with Alex Reyes. It's hey, he's on schedule. He's doing what he needs to be doing. The fitness is great. And as far as Tommy John rehabs go, I mean, every step that you want to see taken has been taken. And I think there's an expectation that Alex Reyes is not only going to be pitching in the major leagues next year but in the starting rotation you know playing a major role the the thing that i think is the the thing the other part beyond health that we have to see if house reyes that was not ready that was re- not ready enough it was ready and then you could put him out there but for alex reyes to be the guy that we think alex reyes can be the control is going to have to continue to get better so one of the things that and this came up a little bit was if you looked at the splits in triple a his first run there his last couple starts in AAA were much better than his first couple. Mm-hmm. And in the majors, he's still 4-1, and 1.57 ERA. He showed he was able to still be effective, but obviously over the course of whether it's 130 innings, 150 innings, 175 innings, there's no question this is a guy that you want to see the control get better. And look, Alex Reyes is not a guy who's really ever going to have better than average control. It's just the way He's his fine. body if works. If he has average, he'll be fine. Right, and that's that's the key right there. Is it going to be, you know, to use schedule? If it's 50 grade, awesome. Great. He's the number two his, starter. Awesome. Then. Don't worry about it. 
if it's 45 grade, okay, you know, there, it might be a little messy, but you can still survive. If it's 40 grade, then it becomes an issue. And so it's really just a matter of degrees with him. And generally speaking, command is the last thing to come back after Tommy John surgery. So again, we just need to see how he looks in spring training. And that's why, again, to me, I, I think a lot of people when he comes back are going to say, okay, is it still 98? To me, it's more, okay, is it still 98? Where he wants it to go. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a key moving forward. But as again, even if it's just average control, which is still you know, major league solid average controls, not you know, and, and that's that's a, that's a that's jump a, for that, him. That's a jump, and and people think it's in there. That has been the, the future grade that's been put out on him. So we'll see. But but again, I mean, as much as Jack Flaherty's a, a very good prospect, Carson Kelly, a very good prospect, two guys that were big leaguers, Tyler O'Neill, who has big power potential. All these guys are, are top hundred caliber guys who are triple A and above. Alex Reyes is still the guy that's kind of in his own tier in terms of the the talent and the potential he has. And we'll see how it comes back. Yeah, we do have to see. And the thing about it is is it will be interesting because this is the Cardinals team. Now, the thing that also stands out is is that they're in a division now that there's still a lot at the top. The names have changed a little bit. I don't feel like that the Pirates are there like they were. They could, but I'd say it's less likely. The Reds aren't there yet. But the Brewers showed last year that the Brewers are part of this discussion at the top of the Central. Cubs, three Cubs, straight NLCSs. The Cubs, are, not going the Cubs away. are not going away. Yeah. So I, that's why you do look at it when we talk about the reason that they need to be somewhat aggressive. They have to because this division requires that they be aggressive. They had clear holes. And the thing about it is, if you're a Cardinals fan right now, is this system, again, it's still deep enough that... They can make further moves, and it's not leaving a system barren. And the other thing, too, is if for whatever reason a deal falls apart, something messes up, nine of their top ten, as currently constructed, were double A or above last year. The only guy who hasn't been at double A is Jordan Hicks, mm-hmm. who, you know, I, I want to talk about a little bit as we get out. You know, throws a hundo. Throws a hundo. Talk about Alex everyone Ray- throws a hundo, but well, he throws well, a- I was gonna. If you want to talk about Alex Reyes's control. Jordan, Jordan Hicks is, is at different different level. different level, but uh, you know, just going back to you know prospect readiness again, you know, you can decide if again if for whatever reason a move you try to make you get outbid, something doesn't work. It's not like oh man, if we if we don't make this move, we've got a hole in this spot for for two two to three years. There are some potential impact guys you know waiting right now, um, but again, the, the kind of the one exception to that is Jordan Hicks, and mm-hmm. he was a guy that. I don't want to say he was the most divisive of the Cardinals' prospects, but there's definitely a very wide range of conviction in just how good he can actually be because you see the stuff, and it's not just the velocity. It's, you know, because it throws a hundo. It's 93 to 98. He'll get up to 100, uh, 101. Uh, but it's also a, a power curveball that, you know, the word that a scout used uh, in 2016 was, you know, it's sick. Uh, there's times where he also can can show you some promise with uh, with the changeup. He's every now and then busted out a random slider that showed some promise. So uh, just the pure power of his stuff is very impressive. Despite all that, he struck out 7.3 per nine in low A. You know, 
he's got to figure out and it's not just and, we, and that is the thing that you have to realize in 2017 now going into 2018 that's a well well below average strikeout rate a hundred by itself without any location without any second pitch no longer is something where hitters i mean hitters are not this is not something where they go wow i've never seen this before they i see it i mean it's it's not something so again you got to locate it better and you also, you have to refine the secondaries. Well, and, and it's funny because I remember during the Cardinals chat, I, I got a, a weird number of questions from people. Well, how is Jordan Hicks any different than what Alex Reyes was the same age? Alex Reyes struck out 11 points well, no, per nine. The other part of it is, is that when you say that, it's like when I saw Alex Reyes, I saw Alex Reyes before he went to low A in spring training. And I saw him throw back-to-back breaking balls to a minor league hitter where the minor league hitter Dove out of the way for strike two and strike three. Never swung, but he took both of them. And, you know, there you go. And there, That is not something. Well, there, there's times Hicks will show you that power breaking ball where you can get excited about it. I, I wouldn't say it's Reyes level, but there is a power breaking ball there. But it's overall just the quality of strikes. Where is the ball crossing the plate? You know, is he avoiding barrels? And again, a guy with, with his stuff... Gave up, you know, in low A, eight, you know, just under a hit printing, 8.7 per nine. Walk rate was 4.5. Care, it was only 7.3. Now, look, he didn't give up a lot of home runs. So it's not like he's leaving balls and they're getting turned around 400 feet. But, again, it's a testament to he really needs to bring his command forward. He really has to bring his control forward. He showed, you know, some progress. He came up uh, to Palm Beach at the end of the year and looked great. A 32-6 to six strikeout to walk ratio. You could say, okay. Get him in the FSL, maybe you know, maybe something dialed in here. Then he went out to the Arizona Fall League, and, and it was a struggle. And again, facing you know better hitters who aren't intimidated by velocity, that you know understand, hey, I'm gonna wait. For, if you want to throw me a 101 mile an hour fastball two feet off the plate, I'm happy to take it. Wait till something comes over. Uh, you know, at a 6.32 ERA, nine outings, 15.2 innings, 20 hits, uh, you know, 16 strikeouts. So. It's just something where, again, a guy with his stuff giving up 20 hits and 15.2 innings against hitters in the fall league, he's got to get better. Um, I gave him the benefit of the doubt ranking him as high as I did, fifth in a very good system, because you say, this guy's 20, he's still young, you see the body, you see the stuff. I think there is a very, very strong chance that he ends up in relief. Because, again, you look at, is he really going to be better than Luke Weaver? Is he going to be better than Jack Flaherty? Is he going to be better than Alex Reyes? In terms of Carlos Martinez, mm-hmm. even in his ability to consistently put the ball in a place over the plate where hitters cannot get to it every five days, 32 starts a year at the major league level? Probably not. But, especially now, Santi Alcantara out of the way, who I projected as their closer down the line, could you tell me, hey, with his stuff, just let him blow it out for an inning? Absolutely. And we've seen, I mean, you know, I think people knock future relievers. Craig Kimball and Kenley Jansen were two of the single best players in baseball, period. And, and by the way, also, you, if you, you go need back, those guys to win major league games. If, you're, if you don't remember, take a look at Craig Kimball's walk rates in the minors. They were frightening at times. And it's still, and you look at him now, it's like, nope, not a problem anymore. So, you know, even if you project Jordan Hicks into the bullpen, as I think is probably the most likely outcome, that doesn't mean he can't be an impact player at the major league level. 
So I, I went ahead and gave him the benefit of the doubt, ranked him high. I think he's got a bright future ahead. If he can figure out the command and control, awesome, great. You know, there's a lot of lot of steps ahead. Um, but it's just interesting, again, there, there's definitely some divisiveness there overall. You know, he's not a guy that evaluators, you know, say, oh, yes, I'm biting. Absolutely, it's, I like the stuff, but. So we'll see how he develops. I think this coming year, starting in the very pitcher-friendly Florida State League where, you know, I don't want to say if you don't put up results there, if you're a pitcher, there's a problem because people blossom at different times. But I would say a guy with his stuff in that league, there's no reason for him not to go out and dominate. And if he doesn't, you know, maybe we reassess. Well, we've hit the 30-minute mark. We're going to wrap this one up. I've got to go get back to the lobby at some point. i got more Rule 5 rumors to gather. But uh, we do. before we do that, we do want to remind you, if you go to BaseballAmerica.com slash store, it's a great time to subscribe to Baseball America. If you already subscribe, we say emphatically thank you. You are what allows us to do what we do. And we hope you are enjoying what I do mean is a massive amount of content just this week. You have the top 100 college prospects, and I think 26 through 100 on that list is for subscribers only. You have close to 8,000 words of Rule 5 preview write-ups. That's write-ups on over 90 players. You have, obviously, we will be back with the top 10s uh, next week, which means scouting reports. We're already at the point now where you're talking about scouting reports on everyone, top 10 prospects in, for every team in the National League. We're rolling to the AL East right now. So what you mean is, is by the end of next week, you'll be talking about that you have scouting reports on 20 of the 30 teams, 2018 updated scouting reports. So there's a lot of stuff there, baseballamerica.com slash store. If you get an online subscription, you're talking about it can be less than six bucks a month. We thank you again for that. We thank you for the download. We'll be back again with another Baseball America Prospects podcast soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.